0: Good morning church. Substitute teaching um, gives you the opportunity to hear some of the strangest things. Um, students come up with like really odd stuff um, but I love it it's it's a it's a ton of fun it's It's really, really fun. Um, for some reason, most of my student like most classes I end up in they they feel like they recognize my look from something, but they can't quite pin it down. Um, usually they end up settling on like, some kind of like, second-rate B-movie superhero. Like, most of the time they're, like I'll, I'll get, you look like Spider-Man, but only kind of. Or, l- literally I subbed this Friday, and one of them said, you look like Superman if you were, he was like super small and skinny. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. I don't know how I should feel about this. Um, <laughs> It's, it's funny how we recognize people, though, right? And and sometimes, it, what makes me feel better is some people can go completely unrecognized. Um, Superman, I've, I've come to be really partial to him as a superhero um, because, you know, Man of Steel, eh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, but fun story that I just, I love about this. Christopher Reeve, right? He was the actor who played Superman and, you know, the great, awesome Superman movies, John Williams soundtrack, all of that. Um, there's this, He would film for the Superman movie, and on his lunch break, he'd go to the canteen that was in the area, and when he went dressed as Clark Kent, not a word. Like, people barely recognized him as Christopher Reeve. Like, he just went through, got his lunch, and came back when he was filming and was shooting the Superman shots and went on his lunch break, he went in costume and people just thronged after him. They just thought it was so cool, right? And they're like, ah, right? Which apparently proof that Clark Kent really could do the glasses thing and no one would ever, right? Like, same thing, Charlie Chaplin, right? He's got a really iconic look, right? Like, it's Charlie Chaplin. Well, Charlie Chaplin decides one day, I'm going, if you don't know who he is, he was an actor like who like started the movie industry basically, right? Like big big name guy, all right? Um, he was like, I'm going to enter into a Charlie Chaplin look alike contest and see what happens. He placed 20th <laughs> in his own contest. Yeah, okay? Um similar thing Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters um And a little bit after the movie, it was popular and blah, 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 right? And so they were going to make like an animated TV show kind of thing of Ghostbusters. He comes to record his part and he doesn't get called back because he didn't sound enough like Ernie Hudson. So they just, like they didn't know it was him who came and shot. Like the producer hurting is like, that's not him. No, we're not doing that one. We need a new actor. And so they ended up getting a new actor for it. It, it's, It's funny when, when, you know, this whole idea of recognizing people. But I want us to, to consider today what it means to recognize who Jesus is. Because it can be really easy to fail to recognize who he is. So I want us to consider this question today, what does it mean to truly know Who Jesus is. And to consider that, who would have known Jesus the best? His disciples, the ones who spent day in and day out with him, who, you know, learned under him and and spoke with him and walked with him and watched him do miracles. They should know who Jesus is. So today we're going to see how they kind of stand up to that test. We're continuing in the book of Mark. And so if you could turn to Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. And here in Mark chapter 6, um, just to to recap a little bit, right? Last week we left off with Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? He has spent all day teaching large crowds. The people were hungry. Jesus said they need to be fed they found some loaves and some fish, and Jesus fed them miraculously with these five loaves and two fish. The disciples played a big part in this. I mean, they they helped pass out the food. I mean, they, they worked hard. I mean, I, I don't know how many of you are in the, like, you know, have ever been in, like, the waiting industry, you know, waiters, waitresses, that kind of thing. It's, it's a lot of work, right? And, and these guys, they've fed 5,000 people. <laughs> they've got to be tired, right? It's the end of this really, really long day. And immediately, Mark loves that word, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. Jesus is finally alone. And if you read back a little ways, we know that, that he's, been, he's been actually aiming for this since verse 31 of this chapter. So like before the feeding of the 5,000, before he spent that entire day teaching them, he wanted to be alone. He and his disciples went to find somewhere to be alone. And people found him, and he had compassion on them and taught them, and then made sure that they had food to eat. And now it is time, and and, and Jesus says, you guys go to the other side, I'm going to take some time. He dismisses the crowd, and he goes up to the side of the mountain to be alone, to, to spend time in prayer on his own. And it, it has been speculated, if you look at the lineup of, of where this is in Mark's gospel, we see Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is executed. Jesus wants to be alone, isn't able to do it. He he teaches all of these people, and now he's finally alone. And it's been speculated, this might be why he wanted to be alone. I mean, this was his cousin who has been executed. He's he's dead, and and... Jesus really hasn't, from what we've seen, had time to really mourn this. That might be it. Um, it that might not be even be a connection. We're not 100% on that. But either way, way, what we see here is a very, very human moment for Jesus. He needs to take some time to himself in prayer. I talk a lot a lot of times I really like to emphasize the, the value of community in the church and us coming together and, and growing together and worshiping God together. But we also see it as a very good and right thing to take some time to ourselves with God, to go to him in prayer, to seek his word, to take those quiet moments when we can just rest and know who he is. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And he does this for quite some time. He goes late into the night, taking this time to himself. And as he looks out onto the water, verse 48, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he comes to them walking by the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking out on the sea, they thought he was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified but immediately he spoke to them and said take heart it is I do not be afraid so jesus he looks out onto the water and he he sees his disciples struggling they they aren't in danger but they are in great difficulty they're they're pushing against the wind so they they're they're rowing hard right um and and it's it's hard work to row a boat i don't know how much experience you've had with it um I'm going to share with you a story. I do, my memory doesn't work all the time that great. I don't know where this happened. I experienced it. I am not sure who with. I think it was with my dad while we were camping, but I, so you can verify this later, dad, but I, I cannot remember. Um, it was one of the many times I've done a canoe down a river kind of thing, right? And, and we're rowing and we're in a canoe. Um, and it might have been a raft, something, and we're rowing, right? And it, it's not easy to do. It, it takes a lot of effort to do, especially when, you know, your little sister who's, you know, like 10 is like, I'm rowing, and she's not really rowing, and it's you and your dad. <laughs> okay, stop turning the wrong way. Let's go, right? And, and um, at one point, it, it was me and, and someone else and someone else and someone else in another boat. I'm telling you, my memory's terrible with this, but we're rowing. And across the river, there was a a tree had fallen, and there was like a log, and it was sticking up about an inch out of the water, right? And the logical thing to do, you go to the shore, you get it, and you lift it up and over. We look at each other like, we're going over it. <laughs> so we row as fast as we can. We get this thing up and over-ish, right? And we're up, and so we're we're taking our paddles in like, Jamming it into the log and trying to like push ourselves over, right? We are not having an easy time. It was hard. We get over. We are exhausted. It was horrible. Never do that. It's a bad idea, right? We we get over the the log. It was rough. It was painful. It's a struggle. The disciples are struggling. With great difficulty. They're, they're fighting the wind. It's, it's pushing against them. They're just trying to get to the other side of the lake. It's been a long day. It's really late into the night. And so somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., when it, when it talks about the fourth watch, that's what it's talking about. It's, it's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. God, Jesus is, okay, I'm, I'm going to head out there. And so that's what he does. He walks out onto the lake and so now, we, we just saw a very human moment for Jesus when he's taking time alone with his Father. But now we see something very different. We see a very divine Jesus, one who commands the very nature he created. Physics itself is bending to his will. He is walking out onto the water. And in the way that this passage is worded, actually emphasizes that idea. When it describes him as passing by, that is the, the same verb that is used in the Septuagint when it describes a God appearing in the Old Testament, when, when he appeared to Abraham and, and Moses and Elijah. Oftentimes it's described as him passing by. So, so it's, it's pointing to that very kind of divine kind of aspect there. And this is Jesus walking on the water out to the disciples. And and they see him, and it's the appearance of him passing by them. They see him walking out onto the lake. But what do the disciples see? The disciples, as they're struggling against the wind, look out, and they see something on the water. But they don't see the loving Son of God walking towards them. In love. They see a ghostly figure of a man where he physically cannot and should not be standing on the water, passing by them, and they are absolutely terrified. They did not recognize him. They cry out, they're scared. And Jesus responds to them Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The disciples didn't recognize him, like in a very real sense. Like they looked out and they they see a guy and they don't recognize that it's Jesus, and he calls out to them and says, D- it's, "It's okay, guys. It's 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 me, right?" Um. They're spooked, right? I mean, how many ghost stories have we passed around in in our culture? You know of. of Ghost ships on the water and that kind of thing, like it's a scary place, and they see a guy walking on the water, right? They're convinced it's a it's a ghost, something bad, something's not good, they're scared. And Jesus calls out, Don't don't worry. It's me. Let's keep reading. Verse fifty one. And he got into the boat with him, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So Jesus comes, they recognize in in the the Matthew account, we also see where Peter calls out to him and wants to walk on the water, right? And he steps out onto the water, and yet again, we see all the more of, of this whole difficulty of faith thing, and he's freaking out, he starts sinking, and Jesus has to, you know, stop, right? <laughs> it's okay. And, and so he gets them back into the boat. They all get into the boat. And when Jesus gets into the boat, it calms. Yet again, we, we, we see another glimpse of Jesus' divinity as the wind bows to him in submission. And how do the disciples respond? They're astounded. They still Do not recognize Jesus for who he is. Earlier in the passage, it was in a very literal sense, right? They looked out and didn't know it was him, so they thought it was a ghost. Now they're still missing it. And I I want us to consider this at this moment. What have we seen so—what have the disciples seen so far from Jesus? We've walked with them through the book of Mark up until this point, Right? They've seen a lot. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen demons cast out. He's raised a little girl from the dead. And they're still missing the point. What that was supposed to mean for them. Mark specifically emphasizes that they did not understand the loaves. They, they just saw this. This is a very close, intimate display of Jesus' sovereignty over nature that the disciples actually took part in, right? They're passing these things out and they're not running out of food. This is a a huge thing. And they still don't get it. It is, I I can't imagine how Jesus kind of felt at this point. Um, One thing that that really is strange to me that I I find really interesting and, and I don't really know what to do with it, notice Jesus doesn't say anything he says, take heart, a desire. do not be afraid. And he climbs the boat, and they're astounded. And he doesn't actually, like, Jesus always has something to say, usually, right? Like, you read it, and, and Jesus has something, a teaching moment, a point to make, something, and he doesn't say anything. Now, take with that what you want. I mean, this is pure speculation on my part, but he, he doesn't choose to say anything here, or at least the Gospels don't choose to include anything that he might have talked with them about on their way back to shore. I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. But they don't get it. That, that can be very frustrating. Um, when when I was in high school and college, I was really into doing like gospel magic. Um, it was a thing. Um, I know it was a super nerdy thing, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was it was great, right? Like um, be, being able to to you know do something. People like, whoa, right? That's so cool. Yay, that's awesome. And and I thought it was cool, and I liked the attention because that's what I do, and you know, um, so that's what I did, and I learned. A ton of magic it was great and um in college i'm well I'm trying to impress this this girl who you know is um a friend of mine, and so I'm like, i'm gonna bring this when I go and and hang out they they'd have like they called them open hall where like we were allowed to go and visit the girls at their dorm, right, and we'd all hang out and we'd do really fun stuff, we'd have dinner together and that kind of thing and um So I'm like, I'm going to pack my magic, right? So I've got it all. It's all loaded up in my pockets and stuff like that. And um, so my first trick, I'm doing this card trick, and there's this girl on Abby's floor named Faye. Awesome girl. She was so nice. Sometimes she missed, missed, like, things going on around her. Like, she was very sociable, and so most of the time, like, she didn't pay attention to, like, details, right? Um, So, however... She's very responsive. I'm like, I'm going to get a great reaction out of her. I'm going to do a magic trick for her first, right? So pick a card, you know, very dumb and simple. She picks a card. She looks at it. She puts it back. You know, is this your card? She looks at it, and she goes, I don't remember my card. (laughs) It just completely fell flat, right? Like, there's there's no going back from that. She just, like, she didn't get it, right? It, It doesn't work when they don't. She didn't get it. This is kind of where the disciples are at at this point, right? Like, Mark is is very clearly pointing out, at this point, they should be getting, hey, wait a minute. No one should be able to do, like, this is the Son of God here, right? Like, he commands nature, and he, like, is incredible. Like, we should, they they should know who this is. But they didn't understand. Even what they just saw with the loaves, with the feeding of the 5,000 their hearts were hardened. That's the big issue at play here. This is how, how the Gospels describe the Pharisees' hearts when they cannot see the truth that is right in front of them. Their hearts were hardened. And then something really interesting happens. They arrive on shore... And I I really like how Mark chooses to word this, actually. Keep reading with me in verse 53. When they passed and crossed over, they came to the land, Gennesaret, and moored to the shore. So this is actually a little off course of where they were aiming for, Bethsaida, because wind, things were a mess, you know, that kind of thing. And so they're not quite where they're supposed to be, but they got out of the boat, and the people immediately recognized him and ran out about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds, and whenever they heard where he was, and wherever he came, in villages and cities and on the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that he might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Immediately the people, what? Recognize him. They know who this is, right? Jesus has gained a lot of popularity. They see it's Jesus. It's the guy that heals people. All right. And so that people just start thronging. And no matter where he went in this region, people are showing up. And they want even just for them to to touch the tassels on his outer garment. And Jesus' authority is demonstrated even more as all who come to him are healed. Who is Jesus? And I, I want you to really, really take a moment and seriously, consider that in your heart. who is Jesus? We have a lot of ideas of, of who He was in our culture, in our world. People describe him as a good teacher, just the guy who the Bible was written about as the first creation of god some even would describe him as there's a lot of different views and opinions and ideas we need to be very careful not to lose sight of who jesus is a lot of times nowadays we hear about jesus being our friend right that 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 got really popular for a while as, as really emphasizing jesus is you know your your best friend. Um, it was a really really great terrible song um, from like the 70s. I think it was. Um, it, it's it's called "Jesus Is a Friend of Mine" by Sunseed. Um, if you ever want to look it up, it's fantastically horrible. Like um, <laughs> it's just it's really fun. It's it's like. Some pastor's kid really wanted to be in like a rock and roll band, and so he made himself a rock and roll band. and And dad's like, "Okay, but as long as it's about Jesus, okay." So I'm going to sing about Jesus, and it, it the entire song is, "Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend named Jesus," and that, that's like most of the song. Like that, that's most of it. Um, and and it's like really bad, but it, I, for me, and and one of my friends from college, we joke about this song all the time. It really captures. That really that that concept that we really kind of fell into as the church for quite some time of of Jesus is just he he's a good friend right he's your buddy, but I I want us to consider this Um, in the book of Colossians chapter one verse fifteen there there's a very different description of Jesus. If you want to turn there and read, you are welcome to do that. at the same time, it is also just, it's, this might be a good one just to, to take a moment and, and, and just listen. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's who Jesus is. That doesn't exactly just sound like my best buddy friend, right? At the same time, that sounds like someone I'd really, really like to be friends with, right? Like, that's... Wow. And I think that's the important thing. Yes, we have a wonderful friend in Jesus, but even that loses its depth if we do not look to the immense glory, power, and majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. In Philippians, Paul really emphasizes this idea of knowing who he is. Philippians 3, verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of many things and count them as rubbish. Love that they translate it to rubbish. That's a great word. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on on faith. Because when we know who Jesus truly is, that's when we can know who we are in his name. So I simply have a couple questions for us to, to take a moment and consider as we consider this concept of who is Jesus, do you allow your present struggles to cloud your understanding of Jesus? As the disciples were out on the water, struggling against the winds, that's all they saw in that moment. In the Matthew account, as, as Peter steps out onto the water, it's when he saw the winds and the waves, he became afraid and he lost sight of Jesus, all the more emphasizing this idea. So that's my first question. As we encounter the, these the troubles in life, do we continue to look to who Jesus is and find? the hope in his glory, in his wonder, in the gift that he gave us when he became man and died on the cross and rose again for our sakes so that we may be reconciled to God. So that we may have a restored relationship with him. Instead of getting lost in the turmoils of this life that make us completely forget who we live for. My second question is, who are you because of who Jesus is? In that Colossians 1 passage that we were just reading, Paul continues on in that concept. He says, "In you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. That's who we are when we put our faith in Christ but that's only possible because of who he is. He is Lord of all creation. He is preeminent above all things. And when we look to him and put our faith in him, we are no longer alienated. We are no longer hostile in mind. We are, we are a new creation in him in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much for the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It can be easy, God, to forget who he is it can be easy to lose sight of you amidst just life stuff, God. I pray that we may not lose sight of you, but that we may recognize you are our Lord. You have offered us the incredible gift of salvation that we may be reconciled to you and that we may live for you in the goodness and the grace and the hope and the love of who you are. Let us never lose sight of that, God. Let us encourage one another in that today as we strive to live for you. It is why in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.